three, two, one. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 19 of Aaron's Archives with me, Aaron. Unfortunately, the man, the myth, the legend, Feral Hakim himself is not here. But do not fear because we are with the lovely Miss Justine Brooke Murray. How are you doing tonight? Today's I'm great. seven. So. <laughs> I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So I obviously know who you are. We're both members of PragerU and um, both rather, you know, politically inclined. But for those of you or for those of us who don't know you, can you give us a little bit of synopsis as to who you are? Sure. So I am a PragerU influencer and I just became one after being in the Prager Force program for about two years. Since my sophomore year in college, I'm currently graduating Syracuse University and I am a major campus free speech activist. I had the opportunity to stand next to President Trump as he signed the campus free speech executive order um, during my sophomore year. So two years ago, and I kind of worked that into my platform as I, I compete for Miss New Jersey this June. My campaign is all about restoring free speech in higher education. And I've experienced a lot of First Amendment violations on my own campus. I've seen it happen to other students. So I'm trying to give a voice here to, to people who who are being marginalized for their views, who are being shut down by professors, by administrators, and who are who are experiencing this, this insane um, intolerance that we're seeing. And it, it all comes from, from entitlement that our generation is, is, is unfortunately embracing. Speaking of the whole entitlement thing, um, you kind of just went in a Actually, before we get into that, what does it mean to kvetch? Because on your Instagram, you're always like, all right, I got to kvetch. What does it what does it mean? Yeah, it's Yiddish for basically complaining. Oh. <laughs> uh, so it's basically a rant. Yeah. And I wanted to get into that because I think it was either yesterday or the other day at the time of this recording, wherein you went into a store to fix your face, you took off your mask. And then the salesperson was like, I don't want to tell the story. Maybe you can go ahead and tell the story to our listeners and our viewers. Sure thing. So I was down in Georgetown, which is kind of a woke area, not going to lie. And I had to quickly run into a, sh a store uh, just to, to look in the mirror because uh, I had to fix something on my face. And I happened to forget to put my mask on because I was going to go in and go right back out. And of course, the sales lady says, can you please put your mask on? So I say, okay, um, but I'm leaving anyway. So I'm like, kind of like half putting it on and just like running out. And then these two like teenagers, 17 years old, kind of snotty, start yelling. They're not yelling, they're, they're just kind of muttering. Um, but I don't know if they, they knew I could hear them or not. Jesus Christ, put your mask on, just very snotty. And it, I went on a rant about it. I, I kvetched about it um, on my Instagram. And I responded to them by saying, okay, commies. And then I left. Um, and I felt really good uh, in the moment. I was like, yeah, I own some snotty kids. Then I kind of felt bad about it later. Probably wasn't the best thing. You know, I always like to rise above situations. But it really reminded me of 
what's happening to our generation right now with um, this, this COVID frenzy, this lockdown frenzy where our generation is being encouraged to not only rat on others who A, don't think like them, and now it's who don't wear a mask, who, don't, who do not comply, but they are being taught to be little soldiers and publicly shame and bully people who are deemed um, not conforming um, to the rules. And it's a type of mob mentality we're seeing. It, it goes against all the values that were taught in kindergarten when we're young, be kind to each other, you know, bullying is not socially acceptable. Um, and obviously this wasn't you know, really a case of, of bullying, it was just some snotty kids. Um, but I mean, they're gonna do this to, to other people. It, it's, it's kind of this, the sense of entitlement that our generation now has where we feel like we're entitled to openly someone who openly disagrees with us, it, it hurts us and we're entitled to have everyone else uh, agree the way the way we the we think. Um, and also that we're entitled to receive free things from the government um, to get a free pass on anything um, without working or earning it. Um, this is what it's stemming from. And it's just, it, it, it results in this just, public shaming and the, the fact that bullying is now socially acceptable as long as you bully someone for being right of center, um, for not complying with the woke group think on your college campus or what your favorite celebrities tell. And also just to cut you off right there because you said right of center, it doesn't even have to be right of center. As long as you're a little bit less left than they are, that's when they start to hit you or rather that's when they start to scream out at you just like what you kind of did for the past three minutes now i'm joking i'm joking but um obviously we have talked about uh two things which is one is um the covid thing which i wanted to ask you about like how how, how do you think this pandemic has affected you and now that we've been uh in a year of just straight out lockdowns uh, pseudo lockdowns free states and then some are lockdown states. Um, I, I want to ask you about how that affected you. And also today, do you think it's rather over-exaggerated? But before I do get into that, I want to ask you, what got you into politics? Was it your parents? Were, do you have like a family that's very, very politically inclinated? Or um, do you, have you just watched a lot of PragerU videos and inspired you to speak out on it? What got you into politics? I grew up around politics. My parents were both involved in local politics and I used to kind of tag along with them to Republican events um, and, and local county party events. Um, but I never really knew what it was about until I, I was 10 years old and I started to get a little bit interested as much as a 10 year old can be and as much of a, a 10 year old know, knows about. But my mom always jokes that it's like a gene that my my great grandpa actually he was he legend says that he was a communist, um, and obviously things really changed a lot in our family because my mom and I were conservative. My dad um, he was actually liberal, and then he kind of got red pilled back in the two thousands by my mom. 
Um, but this this political gene and this this love for public speaking and being involved in our community has really been passed down um, from generation to generation in my family. Um, no matter what person, what family member thought what, um, I have a lot of liberal family members involved in liberal activism back home in New Jersey. And then my, uh, my dad and I are currently involved in more conservative <laughs> activism um, or public policy. And it just, it, it just kind of spread through me when I, I went through high school and I became more and more conservative. And this was as I was in a liberal environment. And I was getting tested and challenged every day by both my high school teachers and my peers who turned on me at, at a young age for being conservative because they were being taught already that any differing view is an existential threat to their identity. And then of course, the same thing happened in college, um, but it made me more hardline in my beliefs, more, I guess, stronger in my beliefs, and more inspired to speak out. I joined PragerU, uh, as I mentioned, in uh, as a sophomore. And now I'm so excited to be talking with amazing influencers like you. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go that far to say amazing influencer, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> thank you for the compliment nonetheless. Also, I want to go back to my question before that, which is about the pandemic. How do you think this pandemic has affected you and your everyday life? Also, um, now that, you know, we've seen uh, states like Texas and uh, Florida that are uh, completely open and having to remove the mask mandates, how do you think um, other states also wherein lockdowns and we have to have a mask mandate how do you think first off is how do you think this pandemic has affected your life and also today in 2021 at the time of this recording april 26th is the pandemic in your view over exaggerated or do you think we're not doing enough as a society to combat it right yeah, I would say, and this is probably how a lot of college students feel right now, the lockdowns at first, when students were being told, we get to leave class, we get to leave campus early, we all get to go home, it sounded like a big break. Um, it sounded like, oh, our professors were going to go easier on us with classes. Um, we had a period where we didn't have classes while we were moving to online classes. And then we realized, oh, online classes are actually kind of harder than in-person classes because you have to do two things. You have to do the work you were doing in person, but now you have to try to adjust that to doing that online. And it was very weird not meeting my professors in person. I actually had to take a comedy class as kind of an extra, an extra class, an extracurricular style. And we had to do a stand-up comedy show on Zoom, and it was really awkward. Um, it was it was an interesting. Where, where did the laughs happen? Were there no laughs? laughs? Was just like crickets? It was crickets. Um, the rule was, if we wanted to laugh, we could press like a button. Let me no. See I... <laughs> um, oh, the the laughing emoji. I just clicked it right. Yeah, now yeah, I, I see it. I see it. <laughs> yeah, we had to do that, or we could do the. Uh, 
the clapping emoji um, to let everyone know we were laughing. <laughs> Continue with your story. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that way it wasn't, it, it was, it took a little bit of time to adjust to. And I started to get some anxiety. I woke up, am I in the twilight zone? Is this black mirror? And of course I started to get used to this. Um, I wasn't happy um, because I, I did think that even then the drawn out lockdown orders were they were harming people's people's lives, they, their livelihoods, their businesses, their employment. And it really broke my heart. Um, this idea that you know, we, we had no freedom and a lot of a lot of the rules at first were very understandable. I understood the mask mandate. I understood kind of locking down some things for the first couple of weeks. But I remember we were told, oh, this in two weeks, um, just lock down, shut down for two weeks, shut down for two more weeks. Oh, it will end in the, by the end of May, by the end of June, by the end of July. And it just went on and on and we on. We never reach it. We never reach it. Yeah, and we're still we're still here. And of course, things have opened up a lot. I remember interning for the White House in the fall, and I was so nervous that the program was going to get canceled. But luckily, you know, we were in an, an administration at the time that they they cared and they also cared about our freedoms. So it was a good balance because we wore our masks, but um, we were in the building. We weren't forced to work from home. I, I had human interaction for the first time in months. And then I, I ended my internship in December. I, I stayed home for a couple of months and kind of felt that lockdown kind of anxiety again. And, and I started online school in May um, and then eventually came back here. Uh, did I say May? I meant February. I'm thinking forward because I'm so excited for spring. <laughs> but uh, during May, there's this period. So I had COVID during February. I had COVID for a week. And this was right before I came back to DC. Oh, and shoot. my How mom got it. I, I'm fine. Everything, everything turned out fine. But that that was the other, the other thing. The, you know, I really only had cold flu symptoms and I the symptoms that I felt versus you know what I felt in my head um the the paranoia the anxiety I couldn't tell between you know, what were actual symptoms and what was you know the the anxiety and my sister felt this and my parents felt this we all got it um and I remember like when I, I was my sister and I were the first two to get it and they they locked me in this, they, they made me like confine myself to, I had two rooms I could go in, my own room and then the dining room. I couldn't even pet the dog, which was really upsetting. Um, but as much as we tried to socially distance ourselves, you know, my parents still got it um, and they ended up fine. Um, but the fear we had was kind of egged on by, you know, the media outlets. And we knew that, of course, this had, you know, a, a low death rate, um, and it, it hurts. Into, it targets individuals who have pre-existing conditions. And knock on wood, my family were in good health, um, but it still freaked us out because you 
hear so much of this, this fear mongering on mainstream media echoed by celebrities. And you know, it, Shout it out LeBron kinda, James. yeah, yeah. Once, once you have it, you, you think, oh boy, oh, oh no. Um, and, and you feel, you feel the fear. And I think that as we flatten the curve, that's what we have to remember. We also have to flatten the fear. Um, we can't live our lives in fear. Obviously, we have to be careful. You know, my my family and I, we quarantined for two weeks. We we did what was required. Um, but even after, I have the antibodies right now. So I'm not even contagious. And um, even people who, who know that, you know, they still freak out. Oh, don't get me sick. Like, I'm not contagious. That, I can't even get, yeah. <laughs> that is something too that I have noticed with some of uh, my peers wherein they're, the, it's not even fear anymore. It's it's like paranoia. It's, it's something short of hysteria wherein they know the facts, they know the details of the, of the, of the pandemic, of the, of COVID. I'm stuttering for some reason. I can't English, but it's this whole notion wherein just because um, the media is telling you that X, Y, and Z, or, or the headline would be like, there has been a massive surge in COVID, and then next day you know all of them were healed. It's like, what was the panic? Um, but I wanted to also grab your thoughts on this because this is something that I've noticed within myself too, straying away from um, COVID for a little bit. Because I have a friend that is a little short of yourself wherein she's also quote-unquote an activist and she's she's also conservative she's right-wing and she's very very deep into politics now one of the things that i had a conversation with her with was this whole notion wherein um, i told her don't you think that you still have a little bit of something to fix with your life before you start heading into politics what do you mean by that i, I mean she has um she doesn't have a good relationship with her family yet she um she is a little bit short on her money, but she's still out here, you know, educating people about politics and sort of the thing. And um, I also experienced that with myself, wherein I was consuming all of this political um, content. I've been listening to a lot of, you know, Candace Owens, Charlie Kirk, and Jordan Peterson, all uh, right-wing intellectuals, left-wing intellectuals as well. Although I, I can't really say left-wing intellectuals because that's kind of like an oxymoron. But regardless... Do you think that's true, wherein some people would mask their, I would say, insecurities or deficiencies with, um, say, quote-unquote distractions, one of them being politics? Because I, I certainly felt that. I don't know if you felt that within yourself or with people that you know. I would say it depends on the personal situation. I can definitely see that being a thing. Um, I've... You know, I've distracted myself sometimes uh, from real issues, from maybe even doing schoolwork um, with getting involved in politics. And sometimes when you're so passionate about something, whether it's politics or something else, you put that before everything, everything else, everything that could actually help you reach your passions or help you figure out your life before you just jump into something that you think is so cool. And I've experienced that with, with school, trying to balance schoolwork, even right now as I'm, I'm graduating, working on those finals, while also being an outspoken 
conservative and an outspoken free speech advocate. And that that is definitely it, it's it I can definitely see it being a widespread issue for people our age. And then as you mentioned a little bit earlier um, in that question, you know, it's it goes back to one of Jordan Peterson's golden rules. And I I hope I don't botch the exact quote, but you know, make sure your own house, clean your own room before you criticize others. So make sure you have your own room set in order. Make sure your life is set in order before you start lecturing other people on how they should think and what they should do in their lives, what is moral. Because we all have to take a step back. Everyone who's who's under, under 30 in politics, and I, I think people even older than that, um, you know, we we don't have that much experience in life. Some people do. Some people have been have have been in the military. Some people have you know extraordinary circumstances. But the majority of us, people our age, we're in college. We're still trying to figure out who we are. So we don't have that experience. Um, you're right to lecture people or kind of tell people um, what's right and what's what's wrong. But I don't think that means we you know we can't um, enjoy being part of these movements from an early age. I think we can definitely get started now um, because we are the next generation. But we have to understand that you know there's a way to do it without lecturing people and telling them you must think this. And also knowing that we know nothing, so we have all these opinions, but we're still learning ourselves. And that's, that's what we really have to remind ourselves of us. And so we can keep learning. I've mentioned Jordan Peterson and uh, of course PragerU, which is, you know, owned by, uh, or rather Dennis Prager. Who are your top five intellectuals I'm putting on the spot right now? Oh, this is, this is a hard question. Cause I, I just love everyone. I, I love Dennis Prager. Dennis Prager is number one. I'm not just saying that because I'm part of PragerU. Um, I had the opportunity to meet Dennis Prager a couple of times, and I'm currently reading his book. And we're we're both. I I kind of look up to him as a as a young Jewish conservative. Also, Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro is probably my second intellectual. Um, I, I I love Ben. I don't know if it you know. There's commentator versus intellectual, but Ben Shapiro, he's pretty smart. So I, I look up to him as an intellectual. Um, Jordan Peterson is definitely somewhere on the list. Um, but again, it goes back from favorite uh, I people in commentary to actual intellectuals. I mean, when I think of intellectuals, I think of people who maybe they haven't they're they're not super famous, um, but they're more of a role model for me, and they've done more than some of these people who are up there in 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 lights. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Professor Michael Rechtenwald um, from New York University. So he actually taught at NYU and went undercover. Uh, opened up a Twitter account called Ant the Anti PC NYU Prof. And he was, he was a writing professor and he would expose on campus. He would tweet about all the crazy woke events and incidents that ideas that were being pushed by professors, censorship issues. And finally he got caught. They, 
they exposed him and they, they put him on leave. They put him out in mental health leave um, just because they didn't like his views. Uh, they, they canceled him and he wrote a book about it. And then he ended up writing a couple of books about this wokeness um, and critical race theory, um, especially in education. That's someone who I, I look up to. That's an intellect. To me, I see him as an intellectual. Um, I would also give a shout out to, I love Candace Owens. And I also, my, my fifth favorite uh, person commentary slash, you know, she's more of a, a commentator. I love Tommy Lauren. <laughs> Tommy Lauren is, is great too. Last question, because I do want to be respectful of your time. Um, I sent you an Instagram post that outraged me and pretty much outraged you too, wherein um, not all men, the comic strip, um, this whole gender war thing is kind of going out of proportions nowadays and has been permeating within the walls of even my closest friends and even my church friends. And I, I pushed back on I pushed back on it, but it's gotten to the point wherein this 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 whole notion wherein it's like one in three women have a story or rather it's like one in every four women have been sexually harassed and then you look at their sources first off if they even have sources and even if they have sources even the sources themselves say wait a minute one in three is not uh factual or rather it's rather misleading and what are your thoughts on this whole gender war thing? Are men, are all men trash? Are all women the B word? What are your thoughts on it? It's another example of racist and sexist um, generalization. Um, it's a it's a stereotype of of men. I mean, can you imagine what angered me the most on that post is they compared men to uh, an incident with um with with bugs with, with to, to bugs, to, um, well, not all bugs, uh, but you can get Lyme disease, so nobody gets, I mean, this is the same type of rhetoric that Jewish people, my people had to face when we were compared to termites, um, when we were compared to rodents. I mean, it goes back to that. It's, it's no different in, in the hatred. No one has an excuse. You don't get an excuse to hate an entire or generalize an entire group of people because of the actions of some, or even maybe a problem in, in a culture. I, I, I can just, I can only imagine the outrage if someone said this, made a post about, um, about Muslims, which would be wrong. You don't generalize anybody um, or, or Blacks. Um, you don't, you know, and like the, they would immediately be canceled. They would immediately lose their jobs. This is, this is just, it's bigotry. It's no matter which group you're generalizing, men, women, whites, blacks, Muslims, Jews, this is bigotry. And the, the idea, this new idea that you can now get away with, it's okay to hate men. It's okay to hate white people because, oh, this idea of they have the power or they're oppressors, or here's the statistic that you know shows a, you know, a problem society with sexual assault. Let's just generalize all men for that. And then I also want to get back to the statistic where 
You know, they talked about one it one. Yeah, they said they uh, said one in three women have been sexually assaulted, and right. um, yeah, they didn't even cite a source. But go ahead. Exactly. Um, I don't I don't see it being fact checked. I I I did actually try to look it up, and it it was very confusing on what they it seems like they they took that out of context and they're also it seems like they're talking about one in three women in the world so there are a lot of countries right now and a lot of cultures that you know unfortunately are dated back where women are being treated horrendously not in america not not here we still have our own problems here and you know there's always room for improvement but you also have to take that into account um that and it doesn't excuse it um in fact it just kind of shows another problem that yeah there there is slavery still exists today sexual sex trafficking exists today um in in a lot of other countries right now that have a major a major issue with it and it really says more about their laws, the laws of various countries, the cultures in, in, in various countries. But again, we don't generalize and we, we don't generalize all men. Thank you so much for speaking on that, because I think you're one of the only women that I have spoken with that actually agrees with my point of view, wherein you don't just generalize. I mean, of course, there are stereotypes when, when it comes to different people. Um, but it depends also on what you're stereotyping and what you're generalizing because this rhetoric, what does it really do? What does it really do to women? Now women are actually have a female friend wherein she told me that her friend was fearful of men, but she also wants to date other men, but at the same time, all men rape which is some form of mental gymnastics that I can't get behind with. But regardless, I do want to be respectful of your time, so I'm going to let you go. But before I do, I end every episode with a quote. So I'm going to put you again on the spot, Miss Justine Murray. What is your favorite quote? And what would be the quote that you will be leaving us for this week? This is another hard question because I've, my favorite quotes always, always change, but I'll take a good one from Walt Disney. You can dream it. You can do it. Of course, they want to cancel him now because they're calling him anti-Semitic. Wait, they, they do? Yeah. it's That's actually been going on for a while, um, saying that Disney was anti-Semitic. That's debated, but, you know, we're not going to just cancel is all the amazing Disney products now and the, the theme parks. But who knows? Who knows what will happen? I, I think it's a beautiful quote. I think that if you can dream it, you can achieve it, especially here in the greatest country on earth. And with that being said, Miss Justine Brooke Murray, thank you for hopping on Aaron's Archives. For those of you who want to follow her on Instagram, her username is at Justine Brooke Murray. So for people who actually want to get into contact with you, do they go and DM you on Instagram? Do they email you? Yeah, feel free to DM me on Instagram and my username is should be here. Um or DM me on I also have a Twitter account and it is capital J, my name, U S C I N E underscore B R O O K E. 
All right. And this has been a conversation. This has been a lovely conversation, Miss Justine. Hopefully, we see you again here on Aaron's Archives for another conversation because I do want to ask you about the whole college thing and the whole degeneration of the campus climate in today's America. But with that being said, thank you again, Miss Justine Brooke Murray. And we'll see you again, viewers, ladies and gentlemen, in the next one. Peace out. Thank you.